Welcome back to another episode of In The Zone. I am Anthony Pinello along with my co-hosts Chris Martelli and Giancarlo Alino. Boys, the Leafs are in a fight for their playoff lives and they just lost to three teams in the bottom five. So I'm going to keep it really simple. How are we feeling today? Hurt. Annoyed. Disappointed. Flabbergasted. That's a big <laughs> word. Yeah, but I don't understand how you beat... Uh, who'd they beat last week? They Tampa, beat, Florida. They beat Tampa and Florida last week. And we're sitting here last week for our podcast and saying, yeah, we've, we, you know, we're going to California. You know, it's, it should be easy. I sit at home. It, the game, first of all, the game's 10, 10 p.m. It's pretty late, you know. I'm watching this shit show of a game till like 12, 15. Then I'm like, you know what? Thank God the Raptor game is on because that was the most boring game I've ever seen. 0-0. You lose in shootout. Or no, wait, no. I think they lost one nothing, And then they lost in shootout to Anaheim, right? I think it was the Kings in the shootout. Yeah, Kings so Kings shootout, Anaheim, they lost what, one nothing. It was one nothing to the Kings. That's the one point they got, they didn't score a goal. <laughs> it just, I don't, I really don't have any words. I'll just let Alino. Yeah, so the first one was San Jose. I was watching it, being committed. You know what? I'll watch this and see how it goes. Up until the third period when it starts, like, getting bad. Of course it happens once you stay up until, like, around 1. And uh, that's when San Jose starts scoring all these goals. I'm like, fuck this. Closing the TV. I don't know why I stayed up for this shit. I'll try again for an L.A. Goes to a shootout, and uh, I don't know what Austin Matthews was doing there. He has, like, close to 50 goals this year. He fanned on a shot in the shootout. And then we go to Anaheim. Could we rebound? Getzlaff, of course, comes in and uh, has a showing. David Backus, like, what the fuck is going on there? And they lose. So that's three straight to teams they should have easily beat, at least two out of the three, maybe. Get some points out of there. They only got one. Not looking good. Can either of you talk about the fact that we didn't really score against three teams in the bottom five and we're like a top offensive team? That doesn't make sense. The first thing I got to say is you got to give Jack Campbell all the love in the world because he's been playing like a starting goaltender. And yeah, what you just said is baffling. We what scored three goals in the last three games. Mitch Marner, well over a point a game. Matthews is probably going to hit 50 goals this year. John Tavares, I really don't know his stats, but I'm pretty sure they're great. Nylander as well, having a bounce back. But you can't be relying on four guys to score. So I feel like that's what the Leafs are doing. They're relying on basically just four players every single night. And yeah, it makes sense because four of these players are most of our payroll. But again you got to kind of give the Leafs a little bit of wiggle room because we haven't had Morgan Riley. He's easily probably our MVP of our team. And our blue line is just absolutely shot. And uh, it does suck that we still have great efforts from Jack Campbell and we still couldn't get the job done. And when you don't score a goal, you're never, you're never going to win a hockey game. So we need a little more commitment, I think, from the bottom six. But, yeah, we, we still need more from the main guys. Willie Nylander, 30 goals. So uh, he's had a nice bounce back. His contract's $6.9 million. Kicked in last year, this year, the second year of that. So uh, is he looking more of a guy that could be a steal, cons- considered a steal, or is that trade bait, uh, considering how this team uh, looks a little rough on the back end? It's not, it's not realistic to not trade him. We can trade him. But I don't think we should. I feel like this is a contract now you're looking at, and it's like, yeah, it's looking like a really good deal. 
kind of like with Pasternak's when he signed it. I'm like, okay, that's uh, that's maybe you know maybe he can be a 50 goal scorer. And now look at him, he's leading the league. Um, if you trade William Nylander, then you probably are going to have to juggle the lines, uh, a big part of the line because Willie has played with who Matthews majority of his career. Yeah. If not Matthews, it's John Tavares. So if you trade one of them, who's going to replace William Nylander? Like I know it's. It sounds easy to say when it's like, oh yeah, Kapanen can just go on that line and produce maybe the same as Nylander, but you don't know what the chemistry is. So I just feel like maybe it's not good to trade William Nylander. Just keep him. I feel like they're uh, they're open to anything at this point, just because of how dysfunctional the team can be at times. But uh, when you look at that contract and what he produces, I think he's he's definitely worth that. And the talks of him being overpaid and him not producing and all that. Just kind of throw that in the past. Willie's a good player. I like Willie. Uh, but then you also see Kerfoot. <laughs> His contract is also kicked in. Uh, he has an extension that uh, when they trade him from Colorado. And uh, they also got some other pieces like a Jeremy Bracco, Robinson. A lot of people are saying he can actually make a push for the Leafs roster next year. So if Robinson comes in. Uh, Janssen, could he be the odd man out too? I think he's gone. I think Janssen's gone. I'll say Bracco's also gone. Um, Nick Robertson, he's a player where you look at, you talk about like expectations when you get drafted. He's already exceeded them. And Kyle Dubas, I think now has realized that. He's like, holy crap, this guy, you know, he's already almost NHL pro ready. And that's kind of screwing guys over like Frederick Gauthier maybe next year like I know he's played amazing he's improved his uh, speed but like is he really a mainstay NHL player I don't really know at this point Um, Nick Robertson though he looks amazing whether he's a center or a winger or a D (laughs) but he's he's not a D but uh, yeah he's I think he's going to make the Leafs next year and everyone's gonna be like oh yeah I think it's surprising how he's making it but realistically you're looking at his development I wouldn't be surprised if he made it last year. And I think that's going to rub a Jeremy Brackle the wrong way. And I think he's going to request a trade probably this offseason. So I could see the Leafs, if they really need a D, you're probably going to have to package Bracco, Janssen, and maybe another future pick to get a top four defenseman. I don't have much to add to that. I think Robertson, if not next year, the year after, I think eventually he'll push one of those guys out. At the start of the year, I would have said Kapanen. But Janssen, he just missed the entire year, and every time he played, he never really seemed to get it going, and, and Kapanen really took a step. So Janssen might be the odd guy out, and then either Robertson or your boy Korshkov can step in. We'll see. Ah, my boy Igor, I love him. <laughs> but even the salary cap, too, they're saying could go up. They always tease that, saying, okay, it'll go up by like 6 or $7 million, but it ends up going up by like 2 So I don't know what the expansion team's coming in. I think the salary cap should be well over ninety million, but it's at like eighty-three. Like, do you think that pisses fans off more when you see that? Like, what can the NHL do to improve that? We're talking about a a league that's getting younger every year, and the players are getting better at a younger age. So, salary cap has to go up tremendously. I feel like it doesn't go up enough. You have guys coming off their. Co- their rookie contracts and they're the best player on the team so that's got to change you're going from arguably a million dollars to i want 10 mil per season so yeah i think uh bill daly and uh, gary bedman i think they need to find an agreement to bump up the salary cap a little more i agree i think maybe 90 92 million i know that's a big increase from this year but 
again, the, the league's getting younger. Players are getting better at a younger age. Like, look at Lafreniere. I feel like this guy is going to come in, and I could see him getting, like, 60 points right away. He's got the body of a pro. I don't want to jinx it because of, you know, what we said about Kako and Hughes, but... You know, the, some some younger guys getting drafted are better than other uh, better than others. I think it's I think it's going to be like that this year. I think Lafreniere is better than both of them from last year, but um, I just think that yeah, you need to bump up the salary because players are getting better at a younger age. I agree to an extent. I kind of side with the managers on this just because uh, I it seems kind of I don't like when the players come out and they're a year or two in the league and they already ask for the top dollar. Like, they may be the best player, but there's still something to prove. Like, the young guys that come in, even though they may be the best in the league, it's just my opinion, I don't think they should be making more than the guys that have been in the league for 10 years. So like, you so you, you take experience and, like, the veteran type presence as a factor. and, exp- and Yeah, yeah. It, de- it really depends on the player, but, like, it makes sense. Like if Lafreniere comes in and he just fucking lights it up for three years, I guess you kind of have to, but... I want managers to be more stern and be like, this is the fucking number. If you're not taking it, get out of town because you're going to screw our entire fucking system up. Willie Nylander was a good example, but that's the Leafs. So many problems beyond that. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so an example would be like Monaghan and Kachuk, for example. Monaghan's been around a little longer. Would you give – you'd give Monaghan a little more? I'd give him in the edge, but I still wouldn't break bank for him because he's not having the year. Even though he projects to be, I'd still say, hey – we still think you're going to be that guy, but we're not giving you everything right away. You still have a lot to prove. Okay, so with this point being made by Pinello, what do you think the Ottawa Senators are going to give Brady Kachuk when his entry level is done? Because oh, he's already looking like he's an assistant captain. Okay, for like, the Sens, <laughs> they have to meet the floor still. So I think they're like Florida a couple years ago, they're just going to give him whatever the hell he asks for. Oh, yeah. And just because they need to attract people and... You know, when you uh, when you look at their core, it's going to be probably him and Branstrom and Shabbat are going to be locked up. And I don't know if I'm missing anyone. Probably their picks going forward. But, Tim uh, Stitzel and in that Brown. situation, uh, yeah, I'd probably overpay for some people. So you're, so it's basically it's based on status and where you are. So if you're a rebuilding team, you literally have no pieces, yeah. and you just drafted a top five pick two years ago, and they're already the second best player. It's like you know he's the future. Why do you have to break bank? No one's going anywhere. That is true, but again, like if they're the best player already, it's like ah, like you know, things gonna happen. The GMs are gonna meet with Gary, and they're gonna say, you know what? I don't like these little squirts dictating how much money they want. Let's uh, do a max like they do in the NBA. Only for out of your entry level deal, you can only sign for seven million dollar maximum for three years, and they can decide if they want one, two, or three. And then after that contract, then they can go and ask for a ten. So it's going to probably come to the GMs doing something like that to help the cap room a little bit on their team and come up with a way to tell these rookies, okay, we'll give you the money, but you're only making $7 million for three years. I feel like if that would happen, every team would have so much salary. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, yeah, okay, we got another $20 million. We got to go sign a free agent. Okay, uh, Alex Semin, where you at? <laughs> Just we, we need a random UFA, RFA, we're going to sign them. But, yeah, I do agree. I think the salary cap needs to get raised. I don't know if... All rookies are asking for 10 mil, but we saw like this offseason, all the RFAs, they're like, yeah, I want nine and a half, I want 10. Again, like it's different. Matt Kachuk coming in the league, I remember I was saying to this guy, I'm like, I think he's going to make it right away. He made it right away. 
top six forward, already an assistant captain. You got to give him the money. Braden Point was coming off an 80-point year. You got to give him the money. So I think it just also depends on production as well. If you're the best player on the team and you're getting 85 points and it sucks, you know, it's actually a burden too at the same time because they're still getting paid on their rookie contracts. Like look at Luka Doncic in the NBA. He's on his rookie deal and he's doing this. Yeah, for real. If you're the, if you're Mark Cuban, I'm dancing every night. There, there's your exception. Yeah. There it Luka is. Doncic. So I guess, yeah, um, going back to the Leafs, um, talking about, you know, William Nylander, I think his contract is absolutely amazing now when you think of, you know, the production and the, the level of, you know, even his competitiveness I've seen. He's, he's going all in this year. I don't really count last year. He missed most of the year. He missed training camp. I don't when think you anyone does. When you yeah. miss training camp, that's a completely different ball game. You're not, you're not physically prepared. Even mentally, he probably wasn't even prepared. The fact that they waited, what? three months to sign the contract is just absurd but yeah i think that that contract's a steal the leafs i don't think are trading him. i hope not <laughs> and if they trade him, we better be getting a pretty awesome defenseman back that's not over 30 years old and an injury prone <laughs> yes so with that being said we got to move forward to hoop uh last night the raps won their fourth straight game they're actually not too far behind Milwaukee. I think they're like four games back. Really? I think so. They're not. They're not that far behind. The the, the Bucks. I think have lost three straight now, um, with uh, Giannis out. They lost to the Suns the other night. Ah, Ricky Rubio, <laughs> triple Ricky, double. Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker going off. Um, that just shows that Phoenix can, I guess, be a playoff team when everything's clicking. Maybe. But what were your thoughts yesterday, guys? On uh, the Raps beating Utah. It was a nice effort. OG Ananobi, I just want to show him some love. On Twitter, a few months ago, a few weeks even, like two weeks ago, people were saying, oh, he's a bust. He hasn't really panned out. Drops 30. Seven Defense, steals. Yeah, seven steals. A defensive monster for the team. Baby Kawhi was like his nickname last year. He's really turning into a great two-way player. Uh, he had a good first year. Amazing rookie year. Second year, okay, little slump. I don't even count last yeah, year. Yeah, like a little slump a bit, injuries, personal life, who knows. But this year he's really coming into his own. Took him some time, but he's gelling with Pascal Siakam, his role there. And uh, I think the Raptors have something here where that's two long-term future stars for this team in Siakam and OG. And they're going to need OG this year now more than ever because uh, we saw a minute into the game... Norman Powell going down for like the seems like the twentieth time this year, but uh, yeah, this game was just another character win. See one guy go out, another guy come in. I think it was Thomas taking his spot. Just another. The boys were really on. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk quickly about how well Norman Powell has been the last week. He won Player of the Week. I never thought that would happen. He, I think he averaged what thirty the last three games. He's averaging 17 points per game on 29 minutes. That is absurd. And he's, I think he's shooting almost 50, 40, 90, which it means only four players in the history of the NBA have achieved that feat. The latest being Malcolm Brogdon. But only elite shooters and the guys that are the most efficient get that. Norman Powell, I think he's got 50, 40, 83% from free throw. He's just, he's been a monster. He's doing what I thought OG 
was going to do this year offensively. OG, I think, is averaging, what, like 11, 12? He's not averaging that much. I think the last couple weeks, though, is the numbers yeah, in the mid-20s. Yeah. He's been really hot. Okay, so I think when you think of OG stats and Powell's, I thought it maybe would have been, like, switched. You switch them. Um, but Norman Powell, when I saw two games ago, he was probably the most aggressive Raptor going right into the pink and the easy layups. I think he had 19 in the second quarter against the Warriors. Like... If he if this injury is actually very very serious and he's gonna miss a lot of time, it's not serious. It's just as what is, is it a sprained ankle? I believe I think yeah something they like said that. they didn't leave in a boot or a cast or anything like that. Oh, so it's probably like day to day then. Probably just or as a precaution. Maybe a week off, he's yeah. out. I don't know. I, I think when we talk about X factors for this team, for me he's the X factor. It's yeah. Norman Powell. The the main thing was the consistency issues over the years. He's really think put that to rest this year the only thing is every time he gets going he just seems to go down so that's that's really the only issue but yeah he's, he's been awesome this year every time he's played his three-point shot too oh, he's shooting true. with confidence even like when he drives he's probably one of the more aggressive shooting guards in the league when I think of you know I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of names like he's more aggressive than Bradley Beal he's more aggressive than Devin Booker I think going into the paint driving he's what six four he's not even that tall he just he uses all shoulder. He knows when to drive, when to, like who to drive up against. He can try and draw a foul. Um, but, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts overall on uh, Norman Powell going down? And do you think OG, if he is going to go and start as a two-guard, because I don't know if he's even a two-guard. I think he's a three. Yeah, he's a three. three. So who is in the starting five then? It's Kyle Lowry. Van Vliet, maybe? He's, well, he's injured. Right now. He's injured. So yeah. Yeah. they'll move OG there sometimes. It's definitely going to be McCaw then. <laughs> if not McCaw, probably TD. But I think McCaw played 35 yeah, minutes played last night, which was uh, you know so, what? There's your answer. It's probably McCaw. If he played that much. Well, no, because I know Nick Nurse likes McCaw. I know he likes playing him. He's I guess he's more comfortable playing him than TD. But TD has been by far for me our best bench player. Yeah. Um, I think that's where he prefers him off the bench. Gives him a spark instead of starting all your guys who are hot right now. Well, no, because he was a guy that wasn't even getting minutes at the beginning of the year, and he start it slowly started increasing, going from like ten to twenty. He's there's times where he drops like fourteen points in nine minutes, and I'm like, well, why are you not playing him more? <laughs> like, keep him on. He's hot. So I don't know, but um, yeah, Terrence Davis's three point ability is amazing. Matt Thomas's three point ability ah, is is amazing. I think the only flaw with our bench may be Patrick McCaw. And he's a three-time NBA champion. So uh, not a lot of problems with this Raptor team, but let's quickly talk about Utah. They're in fourth place in the West. Before the season started, we had guys like Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, kind of putting them in that contention as one of the best teams in the NBA. Is it safe to say that now with Mike Conley not panning out as well as Utah's thought, is this team the most disappointing team this season in the NBA? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like, even going, I think I actually had them, too. Like, going in as one of the favorites, a surprise here to come out of the West, with especially the Clippers and Lakers, I thought maybe if Utah can get a good position, they'd be able to surprise a first or second round and pick up the pieces from uh, the battles from the other teams and squeak their way in. But, I don't know, something with Conley just has not fit. I thought that would have been a big three with them, with Mitchell, uh I don't know. I just did not see this going down like this. I don't know. With Utah, they're a lot better on paper. 
than what they are, but it's going to be a long rebuild, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't really see a lot of buzz with Utah, honestly, other than Gobert and Mitchell. I think like they're just an average team. <laughs> I still think they'll be a tough out in the playoffs. It really depends who, but like... So they're not the biggest disappointment. I, I, like, I think they have good players and they're a good team, but I didn't go into the year thinking, oh, yeah, Utah, top three, and they're going to be tough. Like, I just think they're good and they should be a they should be a playoff team. They're the fourth there, but they're going to be playing either Houston or the Clippers. And, like, either way, it was a disappointment. That's honestly my thing. Yeah, I just think as well you, you talk about Mike Conley going to a team and what he did in Memphis was amazing. His loyalty there, he was there for, what, 10 years and then he signs a max deal, and uh, everything just kind of went to shit. Donovan Mitchell still needs to get signed next year. Um, that's a disaster waiting to happen. I know Donovan Mitchell's probably going to want a max. He's averaging like 23 in his career. He's just an absolute he's – a, he's a scorer. That's basically all he is, at least for now. He still has to improve his defensive game, but they have Rudy Gobert there. He's a defensive player of the year. I think he's won two in, two in a row now. So – um, yeah, I think when you look at the team on paper, for me, they're the biggest disappointment because you have Conley, who was a, f- a former all-star. Donovan Mitchell's one of the best up-and-coming two guards in the game. You have one of the best defensive centers of all time, statistically-wise, Rudy Gobert. Um, who else do you have? They have, Bo- they have Bogdanovich, who can shoot the three. He's, yeah, he's pretty good. Sure. Yeah, like that's why, that's why I see them. That's why I think they're a big disappointment. Because Bogdanovich last year averaged like 17, and he he just everything was clicking for all of these guys. That's why I think this year it's just kind of disappointing how even Donovan Mitchell he's he's not doing as well as some others have maybe hoped and dreamed of. So my biggest dis- disappointment though lies with Mike Conley, and yeah. I think that's the most obvious uh, player. It's nothing against him as a as a human. It's just hasn't been putting up those numbers. So. Uh, we're, let's quickly talk about playoff matchups. I have it written down here. Clutch. We got um, so if the playoffs were today, we're gonna start in the West. We got Lakers and Grizzlies. Is that a series or not? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not. It'll be fun though. But uh, yeah, Lakers in four. Fuck. In four. Yeah. I oh. see some tight games, but I see it going in four. I see one of them maybe going overtime. JV getting hot. John Morant shooting down some threes, but and so I can't see them getting that serious. If it was New Orleans, it's a whole other ball game. <laughs> wow, we got Clippers and the Mavs in the first round. Clippers in five. A tough five, though. A tough five, a yes. Very tough five. Doncic and Porzingis. This will be their first time together and the show them what they can do in the playoffs. Scary. This is a. It'll be a nice first test and no better test than I guess Kawhi and PG. So and Beverly and uh, Morris and Jackson and Harrell and have fun with that. I see this as a tough six. Oh, I'm gonna go five. They manage to squeak one by, surprise them, and then they'll catch Paul George on an off night. And then game six, Kawhi will say, this is not fucking happening. And he's going to take over. But I see that six games. I could see uh, the Mavs coming in game one and beating them in L.A. Well, like Orlando did to the Raptors last year. Oh, good times. Like, I could just see Doncic getting, like, a 30-point triple-double. And then, like, Pat Beverly being like, oh, shit, I can't guard this guy. Like, like Paul George, you got to cover him. I can't guard him. 
then, and then it starts going, oh, is Luka Doncic the best player in basketball? And then, and then four straight. Yeah, and then, and then that's when we start going. <laughs> yeah, but I got the Clippers, and I'd have the Clippers probably in six. Nuggets and the Rockets. Now that would be a series that I think would come down to the wire. I still have to go with the Nuggets. I'm going Denver seven. That's what I was going to say. I'm yeah. going Houston seven just because they have a lot more pressure, and I think if they don't beat Denver – this is the rebuild's bad. coming. Bad. Could you imagine a first-round exit by Houston? What would that team look like next year? Especially after getting Russell Westbrook. All I know is all their utility guys are gone. Like <laughs> Gordon would probably get traded. Covington would probably get traded. Uh, P.J. So, Tucker would probably get traded. So Westbrook. those two are sticking and then just... No, I think they trade No, Westbrook. I think Westbrook. they would try and trade Westbrook. Try. It's all a right. char- like, yeah, Charlotte maybe or... The Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks. I could see him going to the Knicks. Yeah. I don't know why, just kind of like a in-the-sunset type feel for Westbrook. It's like, oh, okay, I'll never win a chip. Just I go to, to the Knicks. KD all the time, <laughs> that rivalry. I think the Knicks would be, and then Charlotte just because of MJ. Oh, that would actually be pretty good. You have the Knicks in New York. You have Westbrook on one team, KD on another team. And that's what just kill him every time and just make it that much worse. Oh man! I don't know if I'm Adam Silver. That that would be making that's making money right there. So he'll manage to make it work under the table. <laughs> we'll remember this podcast in Ju- in June, June, July. If he goes to the Knicks, episode seventy one. Yeah. Episode seventy one. We'll remember that. But yeah, I got Denver in seven, um, and then oh, Jazz and Thunder. I'm going with the Thunder here. I really like I like the Thunder. Oh, now I feel like an ass because with the Jazz. Yeah, I didn't know they were in the fifth spot. <laughs> Fuck, I'm going with the Jazz probably, but you look at OKC this year, the way Paul has kind of come back to life again, the way SGA's kind of come to the table. Like He's this, a superstar waiting to happen. This isn't a very exciting team, but uh, given everything I just said five minutes ago, give me the Jazz in six. <laughs> I'll take the Jazz in seven, but it won't be uh, like when Mitchell went over Westbrook and Paul George in his rookie year. This one will be a lot more... Difficult for him, but I do see the Jazz getting passed and then Chris Paul finally getting traded. And uh, the Jazz in the second round would just get bounced in four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got the Thunder here. I got them beating the Jazz. I think uh, Chris Paul, what he's done this year, turned back the clocks at least five years. It looks like he's the same Chris Paul from the Clippers. He's dominating. You know, he's clutch. Gilgis is amazing. Gallinari could shoot the three. You got Nerlens Noel. You got Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams could uh, he could match up pretty well against Gobert. I think they're both pretty pretty solid defensive players. Uh, I'm just going to give the edge to uh, the Thunder. I think they have just a little more experience on that team. I know it sounds funny, but with Chris Paul there, I think that makes the big difference. So I'm going to go with the Thunder. And uh, we're going to go to the East. We got the Bucks and the Magic. <laughs> that's a sweep. That's For me, that's an easy sweep. That I'm not even thinking about that. I feel so bad for them. I know. It's either us or the Bucks. Like four. Yeah. Four That's, and blowouts and three of them. I just feel bad for guys like Aaron Gordon and they're getting shafted all year. <laughs> Terrence Ross. At least I got some fun dunks to watch with those two. Gordon's yeah. I'm not gonna lie. If if this is where it's gonna lead, if it's the magic over the Nets, because I hear the Nets wanna the Nets are sinking like a fucking anchor apparently. They're losing a lot lately, so if it's not the Nets facing the Bucks, I could see Giannis average like 40 points per game in that series. I could just see him every game. Okay, guys, don't worry. Who's guarding me, Aaron Gordon? Okay, I'll just... Shut just, it down second half. Go hard in the first. I'll, I'll, you guys can bench me every game in the fourth. I won't play the fourth quarter this whole series. So, 
I think it'll be an absolute blowout. The next series is Raps and Nets. Kind of worried if Kyrie comes back. He, he could probably steal a game or two from them, but nothing more. I'll say Raps and Six just because it's the Raps. Yeah. They always make it a little more entertaining than it has to be. Remember those years old way back with the Pacers and the Wizards and how it's like, yeah, it should be easy. And it's like, oh, wait, why are we going to game seven? So that's I think it's going to be similar. I'll say uh, Rap Six. Yeah, I got the same. Yeah, same thing. Ah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Speaking for everyone. Oh, well, the Sixers have dropped to six. So it'd be the Celtics and the Sixers in the first round. Celtics and six. Well, they got home court, so yeah. <laughs> no what? <laughs> no. I see Joel Embiid stealing a series against the Celtics. I'm going to go Celtic, uh, Sixers over Celtics and six. No, man. Horford. You got you to explain more there. I, why? Horford, Embiid, Simmons. Those three are going to lock down Tatum. Tatum will get them three games. They'll go to game seven. And I think the difference maker will be Al Horford, Al Horford in Game Seven, and then second round the usual. Are they in a uh, similar situation like Houston, where if they go out in the first, it's oh yeah, for sure. They're literally yeah, they're literally almost the same. Yeah, when you think of identity, they have two stars who yeah. it seems like they can't play well together, and then all of a sudden they go on like a nine-game winning streak, and then it's like oh yeah, no, they're good. And then they'll go on like a six-game <laughs> losing streak, and it's like oh no, it's back to. What we were talking about before. Never mind. All so that. yeah, I think I think yeah, I agree with that. I think if the Sixers are bounced in the first round by Joel Embiid, it's gone. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get traded. I think. Uh, ever since what he did with the whole tweeting to Jimmy Butler and all that, I just feel like he's voiced his frustration. Whereas Ben Simmons hasn't yet said he hasn't said like oh like I don't want to like like you know like oh like oh uh, hey Butler like I want to come. Whereas Embiid's like. You know, like Butler, like you're a king. You know, I'd like to, like to maybe play with you in the near future. So, I think Joel Embiid would be the one out. Oh, did I not answer? I, oh, yeah. I think you. I don't know. <laughs> did you? I don't know. I'll take. I'll take Boston in seven. But this oh. is a. It's a very exciting series. I really hope for their sake that Simmons and Embiid show up to play because, like, this is a monstrous first round matchup. And I think either way, whoever loses, there's going to be problems on the management side. I mean. I really hope the Sixers finish fifth. I don't want them to finish sixth. I Not want, for our sake, just for yeah, the fans. Yeah, sake. like for the fan, like for watching. I, I don't want to see this series in the first round. Like I feel like this is a bigger type deal. Like this is like a this would be like a Rockets Clippers for me. Like this is a big time series. I still think the Celtics are going to the finals. I, I'm sticking with that. I think Tatum, Brown. Kemba, I think right now they're not in their peak, but they're they're there. They're gonna be probably playing the best basketball they've played. I'll say maybe in a year or two. So give this team some love. I think Kemba Walker's the perfect. That was the perfect I think trade that uh, they did. And uh, getting rid of Al Horford, I think was also pretty damn solid because Daniel Theis is actually not that bad. He's uh, a lot better than I expected. And just imagine if. Uh, if the Boston Celtics kept Aaron Baines, <laughs> then we would definitely be maybe saying different things. But I got Jason Tatum taking it over Ben Simmons. I think he's the better player for now, and uh, he's going to win them the series. And the reason being, I said Sixers, I hope they finish fifth because I want to see this as a series. Miami, 
It'd be Miami versus Indiana, but I want it to be Miami versus Philly. Yeah. Is it safe to say Miami would beat Indiana? Yeah, but uh, this too is another very interesting one. I think this can go six or seven, right down to the wire. Uh, I think in the end, Butler will be the uh, <laughs> the difference maker. But um, yeah, just like the Boston Philly series, I, I have this six, seven. I think it could go either way. I know everyone's hot on Miami, but. It's a good team over there in India. Oladipo. Yeah. We saw what he did a couple years ago. Almost eliminated LeBron. For real. You know, I'm high on Sabonis, too. Uh, Brogdon. A lot of good players over there. But uh, I'll take the Heat in seven. Oof. A lot of people are hyping up Miami. And uh, this could be a rude awakening for them. I got a team in, like Indiana. They have chemistry. They played together before. Got Sabonis, who's playing amazing. You got Oladipo. And everyone's just clicking right now. They're utility players. So Miami, what if they're counting too much on Iguodala to come up and think that he's a player he was like five years ago? And it doesn't work out for them. They need someone to blame. So what if Jimmy Butler, as we've seen in the past, gets a little too <laughs> over-emotional at times? I think Indiana could surprise him in Game 7. I love Indiana. I love Oladipo. I love Brogdon. I love Zabonis. I love Miles Turner, too. They have a good team. They're not the Miami Heat. I think uh, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson are snipers. They're like, there's not a lot of guys. Like, I watch guys that take threes, and like a lot of them are memes. Like, a lot of guys that take threes, it's either an air ball, it's a terrible shot selection. Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, when they shoot threes, they're fucking on. Duncan Robinson has already broken the record for most threes by a rookie. He has, I think, seven, seven three-point games this year, which is, that's like almost Curry level. Um, I think he's the X factor. I think with Duncan Robinson coming in off the bench, he could give you like 20 points potentially every game. Like, Basically, what you saw on Sunday, what Avery Bradley did, I think he dropped 27 against the Clippers off the bench. I can see Duncan Robinson doing that almost consistently in a playoff series against Indiana. So I got Miami in like five or six. I don't see. Oh, shit. I don't. I don't see. I don't see Indiana battling well against Miami. I just think the three point is too much for Indiana to handle because Oladipo, he's a great player. He's not a great three point shooter. He's not a better three-point shooter than a Duncan Robinson. He's not a better three-point shooter than a maybe a Jimmy Butler. Um, and then you got to – we didn't even talk about Bam Adebayo, how good he is. Yeah. He's arguably the – he's a top-five center in the league. And you can maybe put him against the bonus. They're both great. But Bam Adebayo will absolutely bully him in the paint. So I think they win not only with the perimeter shooting, but I think in the paint as well. So I think that's the biggest – uh, difference maker. I think Miami will run them over. That's just my opinion. What the year Bam's having too? Yeah, he's Most he might he might yeah possibly. yeah he might win it. Uh, for me, the finalists right now, it's looking like Siakam again. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Uh, I I probably put Ingram in there, and I'd probably put Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I think those are the three for me. Yeah, I love it. But uh, let's quickly talk about uh. So it would then be the Bucks versus for you the Sixers. And then for us, it would be the Bucks versus the Heat, and then the Celtics and the Raps. I think the Celtics would beat the Raps. I'm not answering. No, wouldn't it be Celtics <laughs> and Milwaukee? 
No. One versus uh, one and eight versus four or five. No, is that it? Yeah, and then three six versus two seven. I thought it was just lowest seed faces the highest seed. <laughs> so no. we get Philly in the yeah. second. Oh like, God! <laughs> no, no, we would get who's third and yeah, we get Philly again. And then uh, well, for you it'd be Philly. Yeah. For us it'd be Boston. So either way, it's a lose lose kind of. Yeah, it's like Raptors <laughs> versus the winner of Philly and. Uh, Boston. That's why everyone I think wants four or five to be Boston and Philly, so like that they yeah. match up with Milwaukee, and then the Raptors would get Indiana, Miami, second round. Okay, you know, let's just talk about the top four seeds for a second. I want to talk about. Okay, so you have the Lakers, Clippers, who are on a completely different level. Yeah, they're the top two seeds, and they're on a completely different level. And then you have the Nuggets and the Jazz after that. Can you see the Nuggets and the Jazz being a Final Four team in the West? No. See. How about in the East? You got the Bucks, the Raps, the Celtics, and the Heat. Is it safe to say those are the four best teams, other than maybe Philly going in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think when I talk, when we're gonna be watching it in in April, uh, the playoffs, I think the East is a little more predictable, and um, that's not bashing on teams like Brooklyn and Orlando. <laughs> Indiana. It's I'm, still, just, I'm still with Alino, man. I still think Indy could upset yeah. one of those teams. Uh, I don't depending know. on where the, oh, the standings are. So I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna write them off. That's kind of unprofessional, but it's just. When are we professional? Yeah. <laughs> it's just Miami's too good, man. I just feel like they're too good. I'm 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 with all the fans. I think they're too good. I think Jimmy Butler was never the problem in any team. He's just the bigger pro out of everyone else. He's he's. Like Alino said, sometimes he gets a little over-emotional, but that's the pro in him. So kudos to Jimmy Butler, but that's it for our playoff predictions. We're going to move forward now to the ring. And now I want Alino to to, uh, to host this side of the podcast. So first I want to just uh, get your thoughts on last night's Raw with AJ coming out. <laughs> Best promo of the year. Not only did he talk about Undertaker and his character... He said he's just an old man named Mark Calloway, and he said his wife, Michelle McCool, is going to be the downfall of his career, and he looks forward to really just putting on of his misery at WrestleMania. This is bullshit. <laughs> this is copyright. AJ Styles is copying what Samoa Joe did. No, I'm like, just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, AJ Styles put on probably the most honest promo of the year. He, w- he basically said what everyone else was thinking. It's like, yeah, you know, Undertaker, your legacy's great, but, like, we all look at you now, and you just look washed up. So, yeah, everything AJ Styles said is true in my eyes, so I think it's the best promo of the year. Could have done without the real-life stuff. Yeah, yeah like, Mark the that's ma- supposed to be a fucking dead man. Don't say his real name. <laughs> I- I'll give him the pass, it's AJ Styles. Should they bring him back as the American Badass? No. Though? Because I think the more, even with Cena, I think that was a perfect time. Like you had him and the thugonomic. Yeah, like and then you brought Cena out to say that stuff about Undertaker. You brought up his personal life. Like that's a time you can actually bring him back. Now they actually bring in the wife into it. Like you, you're gonna come out having him as a dead man at WrestleMania. I want to see him on a motorcycle and just come out all business. Like this is even WrestleMania for him. It's a fight. Come out with a bike. Say I'm just here to fuck him up and leave. Collect my <laughs> check and hit the road. The way they've built this uh, match, I feel like it should sub-main event WrestleMania. And I know, like, that's going against the whole nostalgia mania thing. 
But it's AJ Styles, and it's The Undertaker, and it's a dream match. I feel like this should maybe go on, like, second last. But it probably won't because the pace will probably be too slow, and the entrance will probably be too long. So, that's it. I don't think they'll get shafted, though. No, I don't think so. Middle of the card, maybe. I feel like AJ Somewhere. is too respected by Vince, where he'll be like, yeah, it's going to be like 10 minutes, that's it. I feel like it's going to be like 20 minutes. And I think like anyone there will do anything for Taker. So like, if he says, I want this spot, oh, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> but what, like, what are you most looking forward to? I think what I'm most... I think I just want to see... To me, this it's not, it's not unpredictable. I, th- I think it's predictable. I think Undertaker's yeah. going to win. But... It's just, I don't want the OC to be involved. I know it's kind of been revolved around them, like, the whole time. But I just want, like, he, he said in the, pro, in the promo, AJ Styles versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania. He wants that one-on-one. If that's the case, I don't want to see the OC ringside. I don't want to see Michelle McCool ringside. I don't want to see Wendy ringside. I, I don't want to see anybody ringside. <laughs> I want to see the phenomenal... WWE champion we saw 2017 AJ Styles going up against the 50 whatever year old Undertaker but I want this match I want them to give it time and I want them to get it done right because the last what five Undertaker matches just a complete wash (laughs) and I feel like this could kind of be similar to Punk and Taker if everything goes perfectly but Perfectly, yeah. AJ selling every single move. Yeah, again, again, Undertaker is he's pretty old, so yeah. we'll see. Can you see the OC coming out and uh, it's just like a two-minute squash and he just like tombstones yeah. all three of them? I can <laughs> see that, and I can see Kane coming out to even the odds. Like you're gonna need a break in the match because Undertaker is up there in age and a lot of bumps have been uh, wearing him down. So just to give him like a two-minute breather. The OC will come out, stomp him a bit. They'll all like have a giggle, and then Kane will come out and take care of the OC. Well, the the only good thing that I can kind of think of with the, with match types like this is we've seen AJ been in slow matches before with like Samoa. It, it, they're not slow, but they're slower than normal, and they're still really good. So I feel like if AJ could have a similar match like what he did with Samoa Joe, where it's like it's not the most technical or high flying, but it's it's a perfect blend of. Slow paced holds with a couple really fast paced spots. So I feel like if they can do that with a 50 whatever year old Undertaker, hopefully it's more than what you just said a two minute squash. I feel like this could easily be match of the night if everything goes as planned. That's bold. That is bold. It's bold, (laughs) but it's AJ Styles. He's that damn good. How about uh, Edge? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another one. RKOing Randy Orton. (laughs) He, I'm sorry, can I just say, I know this is probably not going to go well with the people out there, but Edge looks like he's done heroin. I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, this guy's face is all sucked in, he's got bags under his eyes, he's got the long hair, looks like he hasn't slept in weeks. It just fits with the storyline. It just looks like a psycho. Looks like he's still filming uh, for Haven there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Randy looks more like the good guy. When I, like when I look at Edge and I look at Randy, it's like, okay, I'd rather like go up against you. Like Edge, you look like, like a scary dude. <laughs> like, like they're both so good at being so bad that they just have you flip flopping every yeah. week. Like I don't, I don't want to fuck with either of you. Just whatever. <laughs> and like the way they built this, this should main event WrestleMania. Oh, that's tough. It won't, <laughs> but they it should. I'm going with Drew and Brock. Oh, it is. That. Yeah, that that's gonna main event. 
I think that's right there with like the Taker and AJ. Like, it could go second or third last. You know, it'll be around there, but Brock and Drew. Definitely could this closer. could this be better than Brock and Drew McIntyre? I really hope not, because if it is, <laughs> then Brock and Drew didn't do their job. Yeah, I don't think. I think Drew and Brock are still in the show. Do you think it's going to be more of like a suplex city, or do you think it's going to be like a brawl? I think a mix of both, but I see this being like close to a 20-minute match. I can't see Brock throwing him around. I think it should start with uh, start with either or. You can have Drew fuck him up a bit, and then he'll take him to Suplex City, and then you could, uh, you know, yeah. go back and forth from there. I don't know. I just I can't see like you know how he's ragdolled like Roman Reigns over yeah. the years, Ooh. Seth Rollins. I can't see him doing that to Drew McIntyre. She's such a man. Yeah. I can't see him throwing him like around the ring. I just can't. What, six six two eighty or whatever Drew is. So it's, it starts a picture, yeah. <laughs> like okay, I want to see him do maybe like five suplexes, but I can't see him just throwing them like that. Even the F five, like it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be interesting, because he's a lot. I think he's bigger than Roman. He's a lot bigger than Roman, Drew. Maybe yeah, not a lot yeah. bigger, but he's bigger. He's bigger. I think. Uh, I'm still not sold on Drew winning the title either. I think <laughs> sold on it for like ten years. <laughs> I think Brock is winning. Third F five, just like when the Undertaker streak ended, <laughs> and that's when we all look at each other like they troll us again. <laughs> Drew's not winning until SummerSlam. We gotta wait till August, and that is when all the subscribers on the WWE Network go unsubscribe, and that's that. But I really hope that that match is 20 minutes. The Brock and Drew. Uh, I really hope Paul Heyman doesn't get too heavily involved. You know what would be cool to open? If they go like face-to-face and Drew just headbutts them to start the match. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. That probably will happen. be dope. Like they go face-to-face and just... <clears throat> and then he throw falls. the crowd off. And- yeah. <gasps> oh! <laughs> no, it's weird. Triple H isn't in a match. <laughs> Thought you were going somewhere else there. <laughs> yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he probably won't be. I mean, I hope not. Uh, let's just quickly talk about them before we do this list. Shayna Baszler won the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, not predictable. Not predictable at all. Did she eliminate almost everybody? Oh, yeah, she eliminated Clean Sweep. She eliminated all of them? Yeah. Oh, my God. Didn't see the Riot Squad interact at all. Just uh, Ruby taunting, like, Liv Morgan. Then before Liv can even get in the match, she was eliminated. Is it safe to say, is that going to be a predictable match come Mania? Baszler and Becky? I want to say yeah. Yeah. Baszler's Just because it's then, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll still Becky's say had it Shana. for a year now. Yeah. 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 Let's <laughs> take the title off her. <laughs> but yeah, the chamber match was just, wow, cleaned up. <laughs> it's like the match was like, why the fuck she even have the match? Yeah, she just had it for the <laughs> SmackDown title, I feel. I think the, the wrong women's title was in the chamber. <sighs> it's always the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one always The gets tag you. one was good. The, the women's raw, like, not feeling it. I think the tag match should have main evented. My biggest question is, what are they going to do with the woman from, on SmackDown? Is it going to be Sasha Banks versus Bayley? Or are they going to just go no, with, like, Naomi? Just, yeah, and five of them in a match, probably. It is the SmackDown brand that gets the Battle Royals, isn't it? It is. On, like, the pre-shows and shit? Then the winner will take on Bayley, probably later in the night. Oh, now, the, the last oh, thing would be something yeah. like, oh, did that at a... Pre-show Battle Royal. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> so, to get people to watch it, 
So if you win the pre-show battle royal, you're facing Bailey. Yeah. In the middle of the card when you're fucking four hours into it and have to sleep. It'll be a four-minute match. Okay, so before we get into the list quickly, I want to talk about your boy winning the Intercontinental Championship, (laughs) winning his first ever WWE singles title. Well, yeah. 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 (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Did they actually just bury Braun Strowman? I don't care. Sami Zayn's a champion. <laughs> he got called up one in 14. Yeah. I actually, when I saw, I didn't watch it, but like I, I go on, I go on my Instagram Explore, and I see Cesaro and Shinsuke holding him up, and I'm like, this is beautiful. This is these three right here beating Braun Strowman. I think what they should do is they should do a face Sami Zayn. Or no, a heel Sami Zayn taking on a face Shinsuke for yeah. the title. This, so I think this makes it more likely now. They can finally turn Shinsuke. They didn't do anything with him as champ. They had missed the ball with him. Even as a heel, they could have drew so much interest in the mid-card title. Didn't do that. Maybe as a face, they'll do it. But uh, I think this is a good opportunity to uh, turn him again. I mean, it'd be a match that the internet fans want to see. They should milk this for a little bit. Zayn should just keep doing what he's doing. He should still play it like... They're his clients, even though he has the title. And then it'll eventually blow over and Shinsuke and Zayn, like, it's just perfect, oh, finally. Pechini attacks him, he's like, I'm the real artist, <laughs> not Shinsuke. <laughs> and then that's how it leads to Yeah, just keep having Sami Zayn now that he's the champ. Be that cocky, arrogant, you know. Like, like, yeah, you're still the guys, but I'm the champ. Yeah, it's like, you're my client, but I'm the champ. You gotta listen to me. <laughs> so, like, shit like that. I think that would be pretty awesome. But we gotta get into this list. We're going to start the top five, in your opinion, the best main events of WrestleMania history. We've seen a lot of shit shows over the years. Roman Reigns, Undertaker. Roman Reigns, Triple H. Roman Reigns. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but we got to show Roman a little bit of love, but... Do we? I mean, do we have honorable mentions, or you guys just didn't make that? Just five straight. Just I got, got a, a couple, yeah. I got Go a few. On. You got a couple? Okay, so we'll start with the honorable mentions. Pegs. Oh, kick it off. There it is. Already. You brought it up before, so I got the Hulkster on my list. Oh, You're fucking right, I do. Honorable mention versus Warrior at Mania 6 Ooh. in our hometown of Toronto, Canada. There it is. Yeah, not the... It's obviously... It's going to be sloppy, given the time. <laughs> but <laughs> A lot of rest holds and all that, but uh, you look at the storytelling and these two types of characters and the building and all that, everything just meshed perfectly, but... Uh, yeah, if you're a wrestling fan in today's day and age, maybe don't watch it. But for what it was, amazing. Uh, are we going around or am I doing all of them? No, you can do, you can do all of them. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to run through this here. I got Hogan and Andre at Mania 3. I got Cena and HBK at Mania 23. That's a good one. You may hate me for this one because it's an honorable mention, but Edge and Undertaker at 24. And Angle and Lesnar at 19 wow. for my honorable mentions. Alino? It's your turn. Those are awesome. Yeah. I got Hulkster and Macho Man. Honorable mention. That's a good one, yeah. Uh, going down. I think I had one recently that I was thinking about. I'll just mention it. <laughs> WrestleMania 30. Daniel Bryan. Bautista at the time. <laughs> and Randy Orton for the undisputed title. And then uh, going to the other years. WrestleMania 21 Batista and Triple H. <laughs> That's about it. Okay, so my uh, my honorable mentions were HBK John Cena at WrestleMania 23. That was it was either number five or honorable mention. That's one of the best 
John Cena matches I've ever seen. Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30. I think the storytelling was it's kind of like a fairy tale where everyone goes home happy, but uh, Daniel Bryan, he deserved that moment. He was getting the biggest pops probably since Stone Cold in the end of 2013. Um, Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 19, I think. That's one of the best wrestling type main events that I've ever seen. And the last one I have is Hogan versus Warrior as well at Mania 6. Um, just when you think of like the atmosphere and the build and just what both those guys meant to the business, they face each other at WrestleMania. That's what WrestleMania is all about. WrestleMania is about big ass moments like that. So Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, especially here in Toronto, probably doesn't get any bigger than that. Um, so I would have had The Rock and Hogan definitely, but that didn't main event. So now with that being said, start with your number five, Pinello. Alrighty, boys, number five. You touched on it. The triple threat at 30. Randy Orton, Bautista, and Daniel Bryan. Yeah, one of the few times where you think they're going to fuck it up and they actually pull through. And uh, <laughs> one of the better triple threat matches in Mania history. We'll get to the other one later on. And uh, yeah, this was Daniel Bryan's crowning moment. Finally got the world title. Just awesome stuff all around to cap off the pay-per-view. So You know what the best part of that match was? It was triple... It was... Sorry. It was Daniel Bryan versus Evolution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the RKO we got oh on the monitor. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Brandy's back after. I love when they put him on the stretcher. I remember I looked at this guy. I'm like, okay, so is, is Batista winning then? Is that, <laughs> is that it? Like, is it... Are they actually going to end this whole night with Bryan beating Triple H in probably the best match of the night? And then you have him lose to Batista? All right. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. My God. And everyone booing. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a worse reaction than when Roman won at 32. Oh, shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, so my number five, you guys had in your honorable mentions, Hulkster versus Ultimate Warrior. Not for mostly the match, but like just the crowd at the time, like 1990. Both of them were the biggest faces at the time. and Probably of all time. Yeah, in Toronto, too. Having these two guys just... Go together, it's like something you don't really see, especially with the crowd divided like that. You wouldn't think like they would even cheer someone else other than Hogan, and then Warrior getting the crowning moment at the end was a little bit of a surprise, but with the build-up and everything, I think they got it right that year. And, uh, they did, yeah. Yeah, that's number five for me. My number five was in Pinello's honorable mentions. He apologized for it. Edge versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 24. Uh, kind of biased, but I still think it was... One of Edge's best WrestleMania matches, other than the TLC one. Um, there were times during this match where a lot of people believed that Edge would win, especially uh, when Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins came out and the, you know they were dressed like Edge. It was beautiful. Um, the near falls were amazing. Um, when he kicked out of the tombstone, I just thought that was it was unique in itself. No, I've never really seen anyone do that at WrestleMania. I think he was actually one of the first ones to kick out of the tombstone, was he? I don't he think was. Batista did the year before. No, no, it was still at a time where no one really kicked out of it. So when he kicked out of it, I was like, okay, is this it? Is this where Edge, like, is this it? And it was when Charles ran down the ramp, too, that iconic moment. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, and then, of course, there. that other near fall as well. Um, the ending kind of downplayed the match for me. I didn't, like, how they kind of did the Hell's Gate and they made Edge tap out. But I think I would have gone with the Tombstone approach there. But... Man, what a hell of a match, and it just was another great match to Edge's resume, and yeah, it was just simply outstanding. Alrighty, number four, I got Undertaker versus Sean at uh, 26. Uh, I thought they would mess this up 
based on the fact that it wouldn't close because you see it all the time like I don't know one of you brought up Rock and Hogan I was like second or third last and it probably should have closed easily should have closed this was a situation where yeah they got it right <laughs> and um, I don't think it was as good as their 25 match but you know when you get these two together it's always going to be at least amazing so there's really not much to say here Taker and Sean they've gone at it for over the course of 20-30 years it seems like so yeah I got him at number 4 on mine yeah, I got same match, Shawn Michaels Undertaker. It was just as good as that match they had the year before. There was just that it wasn't like the first time at a WrestleMania if they had 25 end with Shawn Michaels Undertaker, one of the greatest main events of all time. But uh, this one was still just as good. Shawn Michaels doing those spots there. His last match, he went all out. I actually thought Shawn Michaels is going to win and they would have set it up for the retirement versus retirement, like career career for the next year to have a, like a trilogy. And Undertaker's streak ends with Shawn Michaels, but they didn't do it. Shawn Michaels uh, lost, and it was a great end to it. If that was his last WrestleMania match, which it ended up being, what a way to go out. My number four is the same thing as you guys. Shawn and Undertaker at 26. I think it's not as good as 25, but the build is better yeah. um, for 26. Uh, it kind of revolved around, you know, when he got eliminated from the Royal Rumble. He really wanted, you know... He wanted to face Undertaker because that was when Taker had the belt. He beat Rey Mysterio at the same pay-per-view. So Sean was obsessed with beating The Undertaker. And that was the story. And just him even costing him the title in the chamber. It was just perfect. And there were, again, at times I thought Sean might have ended the streak. The storyline as well where his career was on the line. My favorite part of the whole match, of course, was the ending. When he got up and he's just slapped the hell out of The Undertaker, and he was just like, okay, I'm going to do the jumping tombstone, and that's going to be the resting place of Shawn Michaels. By far, one of the best main events of all time, at least in definitely in this decade. It, nothing comes close to that main event. Like I said before the pot went up, this, was, uh, this is the only main event that I have from 2000 and... So, this was 2010. I don't have one from 2011 on. So, yeah, not a lot of good main events from this decade. So, kudos to these two guys just absolutely tearing the house down. And like you said, absolutely tremendous way for Sean to go out. Well, uh, well, before 2010, number three, we got Rockin' Austin at 17. Oh, yeah. Uh, crowd was fucking bumping. People argue this is one of the best manias of all time. So, I think the crowd was crazy all night, especially for these two who... At the peak of their career, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just, eh, a little bit after. Maybe but, not Stone Cold. Yeah. Uh, the trilogy, not the trilogy, the second one, the best match out of the three. By the, far. The heel turn is iconic at the end. It's a love or hate depending on who you talk to. I loved it, especially the fact that they were in Houston. Um, yeah, just everything involved. Uh, these two with McMahon and just a brutal brawl not a technical match whatsoever i'm sure you guys have it keep going yeah that was actually another honorable mention i had should have mentioned that that's sort of batista triple h the fuck was i thinking but yeah just the only i'm one of the people that because of the heel turn it was in texas so they probably wanted austin to win even regardless if he turned heel that was in philly or like new york or anywhere hollywood Hollywood. (laughs) they probably would have been given a different reaction and he would have got more heel heat so that's why i didn't have that i go with number three for me brock and kurt angle wrestlemania 19 nice 
you look at everything that went into that Kurt Angle wrestled this match with basically a broken freaking neck. And uh, he even mentioned in like some of those WWE things, he had like 30% feeling in his arms and still managed to have a match like that with a rookie in his first WrestleMania and Brock Lesnar. And uh, the ending there with the shooting star press could have been an iconic WrestleMania moment. It was still for the wrong reasons. He almost killed himself, but he regrouped and it was all good. So uh, this, it made a star in Brock Lesnar. It uh, elevated Kurt Angle as a legend in the industry, and it closed the show on the right note. Nice. A lot of people, well, you guys might be surprised with my number three. Should maybe be number one. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12. Um, This is the double turn. This is probably one of the best storytelling matches I've ever seen. Um, What else is there really to say? You have Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, two guys that absolutely hate each other. Um, The build was tremendous. Again, at a time where basically wrestling revolved around these two guys. It literally did. Um, Say what you want about the 90s with Stone Cold, Vince McMahon. There was a time there where Bret and Shawn Michaels were the bread and butter of wrestling. They arguably were all of the 90s. And we've seen guys like The Rock, Stone Cold, Kane, Undertaker, all these legends. But when I think of wrestling, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were the best and when I watch this match I think of the double turn Bret Hart executed it to perfection the fact that you know he didn't let go of the hold um Shawn Michaels you know coming in as the cocky uh the cocky heel then he comes out as the face it's just like how do you do that especially main eventing a show especially at a time where what was it mania 10 and 11 were abysmal so coming in mania 12 this, this match saved, saved the show. One of the best of all time, but for me, it's number three. Uh, my number two, I also got the Iron Man match as my runner-up. Um, yeah, you talk about the mid-90s, just to touch on that. It was very gimmicky and cartoon. Honestly, for me, it was the worst time in wrestling, the mid-90s. And these two, putting on the clinic that they did, you thought it would either take place 10 years prior or 10 years later. It just didn't seem right given the time and place, but... You know, the one hour with these two, I really, there's really not much that can go wrong. There's certain people that will be like, oh, it's too slow, and you can nitpick here and there. But Brett and Sean, like two of the best storytellers ever, their styles always clash to perfection. So They also had the heat, too, with each other. The, yeah, so the, it was perfect. Everything's always there with these two. So number one, two, doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> take your pick. I got it at number two, but go ahead. My number two involves a triple threat match at WrestleMania 20 between uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Chris from Edmonton, uh, the Crippler. Never talked about now for obvious reasons on WWE Network. They seem to ignore it. Even uh, on TV and the documentaries, the highlights, they skip the match and make you think that uh, Evolution versus The Rock and Saw Connection and Undertaker and Kane were closing the show. So... This match was perfect, triple threat. One of the probably the best triple threat matches you'll see in any company, but Chris Benoit getting that crowning moment makes Triple H tap out. When it looks like Triple H is going to get out of it, he bites his hand, doesn't work, gets it locked in, taps out, blood all over the place. And then Eddie Guerrero comes in, hugs Chris Benoit to close the show with the fireworks going off, and just a perfect ending to a WrestleMania, especially when you know the story of these two guys' careers, so going triple threat mania 20 
My number two is The Rock and Stone Cold at WrestleMania 17. Um, the reason I put it over Brett and Sean is just I think the storytelling is a little more surprising. I didn't see Stone Cold ever aligning with Vince McMahon. So when I saw that, that was just a moment I'll never forget, especially it's in Houston, Texas. The fans loved it, the chair shots. They, they just, they were all in for it. No one really wanted to see The Rock win that night. Um, so I thought it would, the amount of kickouts, oh. that was one of the first times where I just kept seeing kickout after kickout after kickout. You would think it was like 2015 with Roman and Brock, the amount of kickouts we saw in that match. But man, The Rock and Stone Cold, this is by far the best. It's a classic. That's probably why WrestleMania 17 is going to go down as one of the best, just based off of the way this pay-per-view ended. You talk, the whole Attitude Era was about Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon. And then you're telling me at a main event, you're going to have Stone Cold align with Vince McMahon? I never thought that would, that would happen. So that's why it's number two. The match was also, for me, it was almost close to five stars. So that's it. Yeah, my number one, that triple threat from WrestleMania 20. Um, my favorite triple threat to date. Uh, I think they tried to make up for it 10 years later with Brian in that big, trying to make everyone forget about it. But that was the OG moment that uh, people remember. Um, you can't forget that. Yeah. No, just, oh my God. Sean's in there too. He's in fucking four out of my five entries. <laughs> um, God, I, there's really not much. I've talked about this match so many times over the years. Benoit, Triple H, all of their styles just mesh so beautifully. The, I love when DX, they took Benoit out on the table. That was my favorite part of the match. And then they went at it, and you thought, okay, we got the, we got the, the guy who thinks he can hang with us out. Let's go at it for real. And yeah, just, and then the moment after was perfect. Everything. MSG, just everything culminated perfectly. Yeah, my number one, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 12. Uh, just everything, the story, like where these guys were. If it wasn't for those two holding it down for WWE, WCW would have just ran them out. They just raided after this pay-per-view was the last one that Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and like half the roster were a part of it. Like Roddy Piper was also on it, Gold Dust, and Roddy Piper jumped ship along with those guys. So everyone on this pay-per-view, look at it, like half of them ended up dipping after the event. Uh, you had... <laughs> You had Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, the two biggest names after Hogan left, and they went at it. And then once you see like an Iron Man match for an hour, they just made it work. You don't think it's an hour when you're watching it. Uh, they executed every move, and then once it's right down to an hour, it was perfect. Like five seconds left with a sharpshooter. It's like they didn't really have any mistakes in it. Crowd was alive for the whole thing. Shawn Michaels goes over. They tease that Bret was jealous of him just to keep it going for another pay-per-view. So that's why it's my number one. My number one, the same, triple threat with Chris Benoit winning. Yes, I said his full name. I just think the storytelling was just done perfectly. You know, the, going all the way back, that's one of my favorite Royal Rumbles I ever watched, the Royal Rumble 2004, where the odds were just against Benoit. He came out at, I think, number one. Just lasted the whole time. Randy, a young stud, Randy Orton, at number two. He also lasted very long in that match until Mick Foley came out and eliminated him. <laughs> and uh, But, um, you know, him eliminating Big Show at the final spot, that was absolutely tremendous. A lot of people were like, oh, Big Show's going to win. And I'm like, no, come on. Benoit winning was uh, a moment that me as a kid, I actually never thought he would, uh, he would win a Royal Rumble, have that WrestleMania moment. 
And then when it came to the WrestleMania moment and you see the two guys that are in the main event with Triple H and Shawn Michaels, you just assume that Benoit is not winning. At least I did. I'm like, okay, like, you know, he won the Royal Rumble. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win the title. And, of course, Eddie Guerrero earlier on in the night retained. Uh, he, he, I think he beat him. Was it because uh, his boot came off oh, and he yeah. rolled him up? There Perfect. And, uh, and then, yeah, Chris Benoit, you know, doing the crippler. And, of course, I love the how DX took him out early in the match. And then they made it again. It was kind of like 0-2 all over again where you had Shawn Michaels and Triple A trying to beat the shit out of each other. And they did. And there was a lot of blood. And then Chris Benoit, of course, doing the crippler. And, of course, the, the, the cherry on top was that it was Triple H who tapped out, <laughs> not Shawn Michaels. So for me, that's why it's number one. It's a moment. It doesn't matter what he's done. It really doesn't matter because that's probably the most magical moment of all time. Two guys that are now in heaven celebrating that moment with the fireworks and the confetti and all that. It's just a moment you can't forget. I know that you have Daniel Bryan 10 years later with the confetti. It was very, very similar and uh, very vanilla-y. I feel like it was very forced now that I'm thinking about it. But the OG moment will never be replaced with Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. It's the number one moment, I think, for a lot of people. So that's my number one. Hopefully, though, this year's main event with Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar will be on the list. But for now, that's it for this week's episode. We'll uh, probably do another WrestleMania-type segment next week. Stay tuned, guys.